What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. And look, this is, uh, to me, this is almost the essence of the Mises Caucus project. And I think this is way more important than anything that the Libertarian Party even accomplishes. Like, I think it's way more important than even however many, you know, people we get elected, however many members we have or votes we get or money we raise or anything like that. I think it's like if we care about these ideas, because what we're really talking about here is ideas. And, and if we care about these ideas, then we have to have our corner, our group that we go, no, look, this is what we mean by this, because this is the tactic of the left is that they keep attacking the linguistic territory. And then you're like, well, no, I didn't mean that by that. What I meant was this and what I meant. And, and it's like, at a certain point, you're like, okay, well, fine. Whatever the fuck you want to call it, we need a word that means the people who care about self-ownership and the non-aggression principle and private property rights. And I think that word is libertarian. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health. And today, finally, at long last, I have the libertarian Tupac, as some might say, the most consistent motherfucker you know, Dave Smith. <laughs> What's up, dude? Uh, nothing. I'm happy to uh, have you on here. Um, it's been a long time coming. I've been a big fan for quite a while. So, um, yeah, man, it's uh, it's good. Um, lots of stuff going on in the world. Um, so I guess just real quick, give a, a very very brief introduction because I'm sure everybody knows you, but just in case they don't. Well, I mean, what? How could I do better than that introduction? The Libertarian <laughs> Tupac, most consistent <laughs> motherfucker you know. There you go. I'm I'm Dave. I'm a stand up comedian and a libertarian. Uh, podcaster and commentator and uh yeah that's me <laughs> yeah man well um like i said i'm really really happy to have you here but um some interesting stuff been going on uh lately uh yesterday ron de sanctimonious as some might call him <laughs> announced his bid for a uh, presidency and uh um i'm kind of of two minds of this i'll give my opinion i'm curious yours um when you're announcing something online, it's definitely hard to portray energy because, like, it's you talking into a cell phone. You don't have a like reciprocal human interaction, so I think that really took a lot of the wind out of his sails. And at the same time, he also kind of did just go on a long tangent, which all had like good stuff, but like, you're gonna have to bring a little bit more than that. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought. It was terrible. And uh, like, I want to uh, summon my inner Charles Barkley. It was terrible. 
It's horrible. And it's not, I, I actually, so I disagreed with some people who were saying like they thought it was terrible for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So I thought the idea of doing a Twitter spaces was actually really cool. Mm -hmm. And I thought the fact that it crashed uh, the first time around was also really cool because it crashed because <laughs> so many people were watching it. Wow. I thought all of that was like, oh, this is great. And there was something really cool to me about not doing it on CNN or on some, you know, corporate press outlet, but doing it on with Elon Musk and David Sachs. And then there was something cool about like the, uh, the visual. This is why Trump posted that thing mocking the visual because the visual was really cool. Like, I don't know if you were, I was on there. I was trying to get my kids to sleep, but I was like on there while I was doing it. They have, I, I wish they could have done it at, not at the time that my kids have to go to sleep, but they, uh, but it was cool to see all the faces of everybody who's anybody on Twitter, you know, oh, like right. everyone was on there and that, that I thought was really powerful. And so I actually really liked the medium, but the message, I mean, he, and I don't, I don't buy into the excuse that like, oh, it's because he was over the phone. He just mm -hmm. blew it. Like it, everything about it, he started by just rehearsing, not not rehearsing, repeating what was his campaign video, it, right? Like the the opening of it was like, we have to, America has to have a comeback, and we have to return to normalcy, and all these kind of like boomerish appeals. It was just awful. And then the whole time, like. I, I don't know. My perspective was like Trump has has made it clear for months, like what you just alluded to, the desanctimonious stuff. He's he's made it clear for months now that if Ron DeSantis wants to get into this, it's war. You know, like he's gonna come at him the only speed Trump knows. Mm -hmm. War. And okay. So now now you're like, okay, DeSantis is in this. And it was just Jeb Bush energy. I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was it was just terrible. Mm -hmm. Th this isn't even a comment on who I think is better, which we could get into. But sure. the um, but so he's there was one point. I don't know. Did you did you watch the whole uh thing, the whole Twitter Spaces, or listen to the whole thing? Yeah, funny enough, I was uh, recording with Monica Perez while it was going on. She told me to tell okay. you hi. <laughs> uh, I oh, listened to I it afterwards. Love Monica. Hello yeah. to Monica. Uh, I, I love her. Um. Well, so there was this one question that stood out to me, but the whole thing had this like uh, this energy. But there was one question where a guy, I, and I know who this is, but I can't remember. But he Chris asked Rufo. him a thing. No, it wasn't Rufo. It was one of the other guys. Uh, but so he asked him a question that was almost like opening the door for him to address Donald Trump. But he didn't have to. It was just, so what he said to him was, is he goes, look, we have, uh, we, we've seen this before where promises are made and that we're, we're promised that we're going to lock her up. We're going to build a wall. We're going to drain the swamp and then nothing changes. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of like the question and they were all obviously Donald Trump lines, but it, you didn't have to address Donald Trump. The question was, look, we're all promised these things and then nothing gets better. And his answer, and I'm not even exaggerating, I'm not making this up, his answer was to go off about a bridge in Florida yeah. that he that was destroyed in the hurricane. I mean, it was like, a, what is the, the family guy character? Um, it, it's like Buzz Kill McSomething. Buzz Killington. Buzz Killington. 
It was he went off on a long story about a bridge. Mm-hmm. And he went, now a lot of people said it would take six months to fix this bridge, but we fixed the bridge in only three weeks, and the mm-hmm. bridge is working again. And you're like, what? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's what you have. <laughs> like, all right. And it was so that to me was like encapsulated the entire moment. Just mm-hmm. I I don't know, man, that if you think that's going to beat Donald Trump, I think you have another thing coming. Yeah, yeah. So um, one thing that kind of was a little bit of a tell for me that he might struggle against Trump was uh, his debate with Charlie Crist. And I remember him kind of freezing when uh, Charlie Crist went after him, asking if he was going to run for president. I'm like, oh, if you do that towards Donald Trump, that's like showing your neck for him and he will eat that shit up. Yeah, it's it's there's a real weird dynamic between DeSantis and Donald Trump. And I think that it is quite possible that, um, and I'm not saying this is exactly the case, but it's it's almost something similar to um, DeSantis can't win the primary and Trump can't win the general. Now, I'm not, that's not exactly true. I think Trump can win the general, but the more I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I don't think DeSantis can win the primary. And the, the you know, there's, there's something where, um, it seems like DeSantis can't attack Donald Trump where he's his weakest, mm-hmm. and Donald Trump is trying to attack DeSantis where he's his strongest. Right. And I'm I'm kind of blown away by this dynamic. You know, you I I don't know. I'm I, you probably have seen where Donald Trump is is attacking DeSantis for being too pro life and for doing a bad job on COVID. <laughs> and you're like, that's that's what you've got for this guy. What? Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, you're attacking it. You're, you're out there. Donald Trump is out there arguing that New York did better than Florida on COVID. Right. That is. And, and okay. So DeSantis obviously has to attack Donald Trump on COVID. And I think he just did that for the first time on Glenn Beck show uh, tonight. But then really what's the, the easiest thing to, uh, attack Donald Trump for is like his awful policies, his awful appointments. But DeSantis can't really attack him on that because DeSantis is actually more pro-Israel and more pro-neocon than Donald Trump is. So they're weirdly boxed into this weird, you know, like they're they're both boxed into these weird positions. And I don't know exactly how it's going to roll forward. DeSantis is not going to be able to win this thing without a fight without like a bloodbath and the only angle i think he has um you know there's lots of things that i would like him to attack donald trump on but he's not going to like right. i said but you know being too loyal to israel or something like that he's mm-hmm. to isn't going to attack him on that yeah. but i i do think he's gonna have to go really hard on him for his response to covid mm-hmm. and so that'll be interesting to see i i, I don't know how how much he's committed to doing that well, the dichotomy I kind of see here is that like Donald Trump is really, really bad with like his intuition when it comes to picking people for his cabinet. DeSantis seems to be a lot better at that. I mean, like when it came to COVID, he was able to fire people and then he surrounded himself with like Jay Bhattacharya, who's a whiz on that kind of stuff. And then who Donald Trump pick? He picked Anthony Fauci. So, yeah, I, I mean, like that is just red meat for him. And I don't know, you've probably seen the clips from, I think it's like DeSantis War Room Twitter, where they're starting to go after him or Trump for the lockdown stuff where he was endorsing lockdowns. And I think that's yeah. going to be DeSantis's leg up. And like you said, it's it's strange that Trump's really trying to go after him for that. It's like of all things, 
that's the thing that you want to go for him for. And um, yeah, it's just a very, very odd dynamic that they're kind of going on. Um, one thing that I want your opinion on as well is uh, there's people who are saying DeSantis isn't a neocon, which has been a very, very strange thing for me because you lay out all his votes and like how he talks about other countries, specifically South America, even China and even Russia. And basically all you get is not, uh, he's not a neocon. It's well, you know, we know what his foreign policy votes have been. So like, what's, I don't understand where people are like getting this idea. Yeah. Didn't he, he went to Israel and like, (laughs) you know, like signed some, something over there. I I don't remember exactly, but you know, the thing that's the interesting dynamic, right. Is that even if, DeSantis were able to dominate Donald Trump on the lockdown issue or on the COVID issue on the, on the, you know, the thing is that all of the, because DeSantis is the only credible Republican who can run, who could possibly beat Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And because he is essentially on foreign policy, I think a neocon, the establishment is flooding to DeSantis right now. Right. He's getting all of the and, – and the establishment establishment and the anti-establishment still establishment. Ben Shapiro is going to do nothing but <laughs> praise Ron DeSantis going yeah. forward. And so what can he do? Can he say – you know, can he say oh, Donald Trump's foreign policy is terrible? Well, no, he can't say that because right. that would that would alienate all of the people who are his most important supporters now. And so, look, it is true – that um, Ron DeSantis was much better on the COVID stuff. But also having this like establishment backing him, he can only go so far on that. Right. You know, so like he'll go, I don't think 2020 was a good year. And I think he could have had better picks. He can't be like, you put the guy who belongs in prison on stage, you know, (laughs) for the American people for all of 2020. He just can't go that far. And so... The, the the weird dynamic is that even if he wins that battle, that's a that really was the most important thing when he was governor of Florida in 2020 and 2021. This is like where a lot of people uh, in the libertarian world give me uh, shit for, but uh, the, the, you know it's just it is what it is. But the, I'll, I was saying during 2021 that. We the the LP shouldn't challenge DeSantis for his his reelection for governor in 2022, right? And then they'll be like, oh, so that means no one should challenge him for his election for president. It's like, no, that's a completely different thing. Right. I'm not saying that that's complete because in 2021, what you like your most important thing as a governor was where you are on COVID, mm-hmm. but when it comes to being president, the most important thing is where you are on foreign policy. And so all of that stuff had nothing to do with what was great about DeSantis. But now that becomes the most important thing. And I don't know if you saw, uh, there was last night he had this uh, clip on Fox News. I was really disappointed that through that whole Twitter spaces, uh, Ukraine never came up. I couldn't believe it, especially since David Sachs was leading the the meeting. And he's, I don't know if you know him, he's great on Ukraine, like great, like as good as me or Scott Horton or any, like he is great on Ukraine. But the question never came up, which is insane to me. It's right. insane that you could spend an hour talking about a presidential campaign and the most important issue for a president doesn't come up. But that's what matters if you're going to be president, much more so than, you know, 
lockdown policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Donald Trump is crushing him on that. So he was on Fox News and they asked him uh, about that. And he just like went off on a whole thing about how woke the military is. <laughs> like, and you're like, okay, yeah, all, all right, fine. Maybe our generals shouldn't be trannies. I agree with you. But like, can we can we like have something more substantive to say about it? And Donald Trump at that CNN town hall gave the a perfect answer on it. Like, I don't care who wins or loses. I want the war to stop. I want to work this out. I'll end it within 24 hours. The, we, we don't want to go to war with Russia. That was perfect. He was completely right. And so from my perspective, um, and it, it pains me to say this in a way because I I can never forgive Donald Trump for giving us Fauci through all of 2020. And I can never forgive Donald Trump for declaring the state of emergency. And I can never forgive him for, for like mocking Sweden for not locking down sooner. And also I can never forgive him for the war in Yemen and all this other stuff and the blowing up budgets. But and DeSantis, I have this soft spot for because, like, he was the one governor who was making a data-based argument against all of this crazy shit. But at the same time, despite all of that, out of the two of them, Donald Trump is preferable to me right now because at least he's saying the right thing on Ukraine. And that's what matters right now, especially for a presidential candidate. I still don't trust Donald Trump at all to actually follow through on it. But what he's saying is way better than what DeSantis is saying on on Ukraine right now. Yeah, I think I put out a tweet saying something like if you could vote for Trump and he might end World War Three, which I really don't think he will. And then he'll bitch about his own appointed deep state that fucked his wife. And then DeSantis, (laughs) on the other hand, will be okay with Israel fucking his wife. And he probably will continue to start World War Three because he's a super hawk on Iran, China and even Russia. So unfortunately, Donald Trump is like the most anti-war candidate, even though, um, you know, he kind of put us down a little bit more of this path. And the one talking point that's kind of bothering Well, it might be RFK. It might be RFK, and it might be whoever the Libertarian Party nominates, but out of those two, I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah, well, out of those two, like you said. Um, The one thing that's kind of bothered me, though, is that I I always see people saying that this war would have never started under Trump, and it it seems so, like, ignorant to me because it's like, the dude sent the weapons in and sanctioned Russia. Do you really think that this still wouldn't have happened? Yeah, I, I think that's stupid. I think that's a, that's like a goofy take that people have that like it's almost like they they think uh it it's right wingers or like uh conservatives trying to trying to fit the world back into the little shape that they can understand it in. So they go, Well, <laughs> Trump's strong, Biden weak, and therefore when Biden weak came in, you know, that's when Vladimir Putin felt ready. I I mean I think actually it's it's probably closer to the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Trump, while he did a lot of the wrong things and he did send the weapons into Ukraine and he did get us out of the INF agreement and all, all of that, I think that Vladimir Putin probably saw Donald Trump as someone who wanted to do the right thing and have a good relationship yeah. but was being undermined. And he said so much in several different interviews that he was like, oh, look, all these U.S. presidents, they have these good ideas, but they, you know, the people around them screw it all up, something along those lines. When he saw Joe Biden come back in, I think he realized that the the team who had led the coup in 2014 was back. 
And that that was like, okay, now I have no, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing to work with, no one to talk to. Um, I think that uh, Donald Trump, in terms of his actions, did nothing but bring us closer to this, you know, war that, that that's ultimately going on there now. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition, which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time, and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder, and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein, and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings. Peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! Yeah, so um, I, I'm sure you've probably been keeping up with it, but um, I think it was over the past weekend, Bakhmut had officially been overtaken by Russia. And I know that um, the State Department was really wanting Ukraine to make a big offensive um, so that way they could kind of seemingly start to wind this stuff down. Um, what do you kind of make of some of the stuff that's going on over there right now? Well, I think it's, it's, uh, I think it's getting very dangerous. <laughs> And I think that uh, it's it's been dangerous the whole time, but I think that what's um, what's becoming more and more evident is that, and and this is th this was kind of revealed in those uh, Discord leaks that came out uh, a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. Now that look, we, Ukraine is surviving because America has poured in more money than the entire Russian military budget. <laughs> but that's the only reason why Russia hasn't walked over Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that's, this is becoming more and more of a reality that is, we're, we're saying, you know, the, the posture of the Biden administration is that this is, this is uh, like a war of necessity, <laughs> like, which is so ridiculous. That this is absolutely the most important thing to us uh, that this, you know, even if you think about the rhetoric that is used by all of the people in Washington, D.C., where they're like, you know, this is the battle of democracy versus authoritarianism. And this is the most important thing. And this isn't just a fight for Ukraine. It's a fight for all of us. And it, then you'd almost go, well, then why not send troops in? Mm -hmm. Like, why not just fight if it's that important? Why are we not just sending the American military in? And you're like, oh, oh, yeah, because it's not actually that important. And actually, we recognize that could, you know, escalate things and cause some other problems. So basically, we're just saying, well, we'll kind of send some weapons and money in and certain weapons, not other weapons, because we're worried that those might escalate the situation. The truth is that the best case scenario for Ukraine. The best case scenario for the Ukrainian people is that the war ends soon. The best case scenario for Ukraine as a nation um, is maintaining some of the territory that they currently have. Right. They're not getting the Donbass region back. They're never getting Crimea back. Mm -hmm. It's just not happening. And so I think the more that this goes on, the question is how does the the u.s government establishment justify 
acknowledging the reality, which is that none of this is happening. Like, well, you're not taking back every inch of Ukraine. That's just not happening. And that's not even like, that's not like a statement of what I think is morally correct. That's just where we're at right now, you know? Yeah, it's understanding the reality of it. Um, And there's like this weird kind of idea that like Putin is a madman but like we shouldn't be bullied by nukes, right? So that's one contradictory thing. And then he's getting, I don't want to say, you know, Russia's getting their ass whooped, but I mean, they're really struggling to overtake Ukraine and Ukraine is one sixteenth the size of the United States. But we're supposed to believe that if he takes Ukraine, then he's going to start going over to Poland and everywhere else. These, these ideas just like, when you look at all of them together, you can't, you know, logically understand all those ideas, which are being presented to us. Yeah, and I think uh, John Mearsheimer is the best guy to like read and listen to on this. But the the truth is that Vladimir Putin, there's nothing you can point to in anything he's ever said that indicated that he was going to go after Poland. Right. And the, the Ukraine has always been his red line, and it's also always been the neocons' like big aspiration. And you know, when I was uh, on a the, the most viral thing I've ever done, the thing, the biggest thing I've ever done in my career that got more attention than anything else was on Rogan's podcast, not the last time I was on the time before, where I had this clip about Russia that got went went super, super viral. Um, and like tens of millions of people have seen this clip. And the one of the things I was really proud of is that I played that Gideon Rose video mm-hmm. uh, where he's talking about how, like, this is the plan. The, the guy who was the editor of Foreign Affairs magazine, you know, the magazine, the publication of the Council on Foreign Relations, the guy who's telling you the thinking in Washington, and this was the thinking in Washington, that we can steal Ukraine away from Russia. That was, and this is what Putin had been saying, and even, you know, uh, Bill, Byrne, uh, Bill Burns, who's the, the head of the CIA, he, he said that this was their red line. That you can't steal Ukraine away from us. Mm-hmm. And that that was it. And so that's what this whole fight is over. The idea that Russia with a $1.5 trillion GDP is going to now try to take over the world, something that America is going broke trying to do, mm-hmm. is just – it. It's neocon fantasy that, well, if we don't do this, then somebody else is going to. That's not true at all. You know, if we don't do this, then Ukraine could probably cut a deal with just like as they have since 1991, basically, they could cut a deal where they have some relationship with Russia and some relationship with the EU and and they could be somewhat independent. Not completely. Nothing's perfect in this world, but that could be the deal. Vladimir Putin is not moving toward uh, uh, Poland and he's not taking over half of Europe. He has no interest in doing that. He has no capability in doing that. So that's all just, I think, just nonsense. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, you'll always see people with the Ukraine flags in their bio saying that Putin's going to take over the world. And it's just absolute ridiculousness. Um, the other thing I want to talk to you about, because I've heard you talk about it a little bit, but um, is China, because I think this is kind of like the next big thing. And I really don't think people focus on this enough because, I mean, we've just sent we've signed an agreement to send soldiers over to Papua New Guinea, um, B-52 mm-hmm. bombers to Australia. I mean, we're talking about defending these reefs between the Philippines and China and then, you know, sending all these congressional delegations to Taiwan. Um, the president, Tsai Ing-wen, was just meeting with Kevin McCarthy in California a couple of weeks ago. And then obviously the Pelosi trip back in August. 
Um, I think that's going to be the big talking point for 2024 because, you know, it, it's almost popular and acceptable for some, you know, politicians to be anti-Ukraine aid, like some of the populist right-wingers. And I'm not like downplaying that that's very, very important that they are, but it doesn't seem like there's really anybody that's speaking out against these escalations about China, like hardly even anybody in the alt media. But I mean, this is like the big thing. The State Department has said for years now, like it's China, China, China. That is our focus. Yeah, even even the best of the right wingers, it seems like are bad <laughs> on this issue, you know, and like I remember uh, uh, like Tucker Carlson, who I give nothing but credit to on this. And, and look, I will give him credit. He had Jimmy Dore on who mm-hmm. really like like he was somebody who was really great on both of the foreign policy issues. Yes. You know, I mean, Jimmy Dore is so good on on Russia and so good on China. Uh, you know, God forbid he ever gets in charge of the department of agriculture or healthcare or something like that and we're being in a lot of trouble yeah. but like man when it comes to the foreign policy he really gets it yeah. um and i like i i, I want to think that even though tucker has like had this kind of hawkish language on china that if if it ever really came to like the military industrial complex promoting we're going to move on them he would wake up to that mm-hmm. but I remember there, you know, there are several different times where I've heard Tucker Carlson, someone I have tremendous respect for, but he's even said, or he's like, he goes, you know, they're acting like Russia is the biggest threat to our country when obviously it's China. And it's almost like this attitude, like, you're like, well, someone has to be the one who we're going to warmonger against. So (laughs) who's a better candidate? And I think China's a better candidate. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess, but like, why does there have to be anyone? China, look, just like Russia, I mean, China, of course, has a much bigger GDP uh, than than them and is much more of an economic threat, if you want to call it that. But no one's a threat to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we have a gigantic army, a gigantic nuclear arsenal. We're surrounded by two oceans. I've I've actually heard right wingers talk about the idea of if we um like uh um like come back if we retract from the rest of the world that China could invade America. And you're like, just take me through the logistics of that. How China well, could invade America? Yeah, they're gonna we we'd spot them uh, five thousand miles away. It it, it makes no sense. So, no, look, China is an economic competitor Mm -hmm. to the the United States of America. But okay, so like what's what's holding us back from winning that economic competition, which, by the way, is the reason we won the Cold War, Mm -hmm. not the the war in Vietnam or Korea or any of it or or Nicaragua or any of it. It, The reason we won is because we had a superior economic system to their economic system. And so what's a superior economic system to the one-party national communist party, quasi-fascist party of China? It's free market capitalism. We will lap them. If we if we want to lap China, the move is to make our country more of a free market, slash government budgets, slash government regulation. That's what we could do, you know? And um, uh, uh, aside from that, it's promote peace in the world. You know, right now, China is promoting – Zelensky is calling Xi to try to work out a deal with, with Vladimir Putin. What a disgrace that America is allowing the Chinese Communist Party to be the voice of reason in the biggest conflict in the world. That's what we should be doing. We should be the voice of peace and reason in the world. Look, China, uh, again, the CCP, they made peace between Saudi Arabia and Iran. 
Our government's been doing nothing but stoking war between those two countries over the last eight, nine years. You know, it's it's an absolute disgrace. And so that's what we should be focused on doing. That's what would give us real strength in the world, would be being a force for peace, a force for free markets, a force for promoting individual liberty and the Bill of Rights and all that shit. Telling other countries, this is what you got to do. You got to have a Bill of Rights just like we have a Bill of Rights. That's what would actually give us that we there'd be no competition in this war. Look, even the things they say, like uh, where they'll be like, hey, you know, Taiwan is the only one who produces these microchips. And if if China were to roll into Taiwan, then what would we do? You know, Well, you know, why is it? Why is it that Taiwan is producing those microchips and we're not? Well, because we have all of these regulations and environmental fucking protections that say, oh, we can't produce these chips. But then we can still buy them from Taiwan. You know what I mean? So it's stupid. It's like the problem is that we undercut ourselves with these dumb fucking policies and then have to export them to these other countries and then go, well, we have to protect them now with our military. All of this is just, it's just ridiculous. And China is, and at the same time, just like, oh, you know, like the stuff you mentioned, we're provoking these conflicts with China the same way we are with Russia because of this theoretical that they could take over the world, which is never going to happen. China hasn't been an imperialist country for centuries. Mm -hmm. it's It's not happening anytime soon. Yeah, and back to one of your points earlier, this idea that China would storm the beaches of California, it's like, what are they going to do? Send, yeah, right. a, send a bunch of 40-year-old diabetics, malnour- malnourished diabetics at that, over to the shores of California. And then, like, let's also run through the hypothetical that they do take Taiwan, which is incredibly unlikely. We save, like, two times a year. It's a very defensible island. So they go to take Taiwan, and, like, our own State Department has said that they'll blow up the chip factories if they go for that. So is it really about the chips? But, right. okay, so let's say they don't do that and China takes Taiwan. China depends on imports so freaking much that like they're importing a majority of, I think it's like their grain or something like that. So wouldn't it logically follow that like they would want to trade these chips because they wouldn't want to be barred from, I don't know, feeding their population? Well, yeah. And and it's like as if none of these other countries exist. You know, that's like the interesting thing, too, is that it's uh, so, you know, in uh, in 2008, just switching to the Russia conflict. Right. So in 2008 at the Bucharest summit, when uh, it was announced. And this is only because George W. Bush, you know, the wise statesman who was so great on foreign policy, George W. Bush, he insisted that we declare that Ukraine and Georgia were going to be brought into NATO. And the the Germans uh, behind Angela Merkel were super like they were furious about this. Mm -hmm. And this is why it never ended up happening, actually, because they were. And the reason the Germans opposed it was because they said, hey, this is going to provoke Russia. Like, why would we do this? This will provoke a reaction from Russia. And so just just to be clear, and the, the Germans at the same time, they're trying to work on the Nord Stream pipeline deal. They're trying to be friends with Russia. You know, it's like there's all these other countries involved. And so now you see when Vladimir Putin finally invaded uh, Ukraine, you see these other countries like even Germany. It took a lot of pressure to get them to turn off Nord Stream 2. And then it even had to be blown up to make sure they didn't turn it back on. And you see, right, like you you see this kind of like attitude of like, uh, well, if America doesn't support Ukraine, then Vladimir Putin rolls through half of Europe. And you're like, wait, but what about these other countries? Hey, what's the GDP of Russia? Wait, what's the GDP of Poland, Germany, France, 
England, you know what I mean? Like all these countries, Italy, all these countries combined. Oh yeah, it's way bigger. So don't act like there wouldn't be any resistance between them and us. And the same thing is true with China. It's like, okay, so even if China did roll in and take Taiwan, well, okay, now they have to deal with Japan and South Korea and all these other countries within their sphere of influence who are like not poor countries. These are wealthy countries with a lot, you know what I mean? So like, it's just, it's ridiculous to pretend that there's nothing else. It's almost like if the American empire wasn't there, there's no other barrier that would possibly like dissuade them from just moving on and on. And I got to say, I think a lot of these countries, um, Russia and, and China particularly, they've seen what's gone on with America over the last 20 years. They're not trying to emulate us. They're not going, yeah, you know, the way you guys got yourselves bogged down in foreign interventions and just drained your treasury dry and your whole culture has been falling apart. And now you went from being the world's biggest superpower to being this crumbling empire. We want to get it on that, too. That's not what's happening. It's only us. It's only that we're our politicians are trying to convince our own people that it's like everyone wants to get in on this game. So let's let's go do it. Yeah. And, and you know, kind of when it comes to China, people the one thing I've heard that I really like is uh we go in with a bomb and China goes in with a briefcase. Now I think they're doing that nefariously, but at the same sure. time, how long can you sit there and give out loans to countries in South Africa for them to build roads and bridges before you know you finally realize that you know the emperor has no clothes and you can't afford to keep doing that? Yeah, well, that that's true. Um, the, you know, the briefcases are uh, far superior to bombs. Not only because they don't, not only because they don't blow up, you know, little babies, but also they actually cost less. You know, <laughs> it turns out those bombs are actually much more expensive than those briefcases. So I'm not advocating that we go in with government agents with briefcases, but that is a far superior system. And yeah, I do think that. China and uh, David Stockman's the best guy to like read on this stuff. But the tr- the truth is, if you think we're in a bubble economy, China is in a ginormous bubble, pro- probably the biggest bubble that's ever been uh, blown up. And so, yes, I do think you're right that they they're not even going to be able to keep bribing their way into this global influence, and they're I think they're going to realize that soon. Yeah, um, there's a uh, foreign policy and analyst named peter zihan that says uh i think he said like in the next 10 years we'll see the collapse of china now you know obviously as austrian economists it's very very tough to put a date on a lot of like these collapses you know peter schiff has been calling for the collapse of the u.s dollar for the last probably 30 40 years but um you know we'll just kind of have to wait and see how that kind of plays out um something else i was curious about and i'm sure you've probably um seen this over the last probably 20 years or so but it almost seems like the least hawkish president tends to do the best because like if you look at obama he was campaigning against the george bush wars now obviously his second term a little bit weaker of a case and then trump came along and he was saying they lied us into war and that got people you know going crazy and then i think in 2020 that's a little bit of a different story um do you kind of see a big opportunity for someone to say like we're going to wind all of this global empire down um do you kind of like see the want for that in the populace or do you think it's kind of going the other way no i think i think that's right and i think it goes way back before then i mean i think that um this this is something ron paul used to always talk about but even back to you know woodrow wilson ran on uh, we're going to keep you out of the war in world war one 
um, and uh, um, you know, all, all the way like even even LBJ when he was running against Barry Goldwater, their campaign ads were that he's going to drop the bomb, and we're we're not going to go to nuclear war over this. And uh, you know, George uh, W. Bush in two thousand. He won campaigning on a humble foreign policy, and Barack Obama won campaigning on we're going to end these wars, and Donald Trump won on campaigning on that he would bring the wars home. You know, I, I just had a, a debate recently, uh, a few days ago, with um, uh, Konstantin Kassin um, about the war in Ukraine when we did it on Michael Malice's show, and you know, I was just arguing that the U.S. shouldn't be supporting Ukraine in this war. And he was like, well, hey, you're you're a United States citizen and I'm not. And, uh, you know, you can vote and decide what you who you want to vote for, which, you know, and, and I did. I, I respect the guy. And he was like uh, he was a um, an honorable debate opponent. Like, I, I'm not trying to, like, insult him or anything. But there was something, like, about that attitude that it was so blue-pilled to me that you're like, yeah, well, look, I mean, what do you mean I can vote on it? <laughs> like, it's like, okay, so Donald Trump ran and won on the idea that we would have detente with Russia and be friends with them. And then uh, Joe Biden ran and won, not even mentioning Ukraine or any of that. So now the war in Ukraine is happening, and what are you telling me? In two years, I can get a vote? Okay, so I guess I just got to sit with this for a while. But I think there's always, um, you know, once wars start, Americans are are um, tend toward finishing them. And I understand that. You know, like once your sons are off fighting in war, you want to make sure they don't lose. But in general, I think over the last hundred years, it's been overwhelming every time there's actually a national referendum on this that Americans do not want, uh, just like anyone, they do not want to fight a war of choice, which are all of the wars that we've fought, at least in my lifetime, and well beyond that. And, and so, like, I do think there's an opening for anybody to, to really, like, take this position. Look, when Donald Trump uh, said his thing in that CNN town hall that was so great about Ukraine— Who's getting standing ovations for it? Right. And I think that would I think that's the strongest position you could take right now is to go, come on, what are we talking about here? Let's end the war. Why yeah. are we trying to prolong it? Why are we even involved in this? It makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's something powerful to that as well. And um kind of pivoting over to RFK Jr. Um, I think there's something very, very powerful about someone like him who kind of knows that, you know, <laughs> the government's dirty because they did his family dirty, and um, it's surprising no. to see him. Yeah, it's surprising to see him kind of rise up um, in the polls with Democrats because I think this kind of shows a little bit more of an opening. And I get irritated with people who just say like, "Oh, the left wants you dead." Oh, these Democrats will slit your throat if they get a chance. It's like, can we not just be full retards about this? Like, there's yeah, clearly like decent people out there who just don't have a good you know left leaning candidate. Like maybe they disagree with you on tax rates and healthcare. You know, they're not like blood soaked monsters that are looking to slit your throat because you want free markets and capitalism. Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I think that um, it's it doesn't help us at all. And and look, I will say that during COVID, during the height of the COVID hysteria, probably a lot of those people bought into it, right. and and in in really ugly and bad ways. But at the same time, they, 
there's got to be some type of like reconciling with all of this, yeah. like some type of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it, it's just, you know, if you're going to write off like, and this is for me, like I, I grew up in New York city. I, uh, up until 2020, I lived in New York city my entire life. I lived in uh, Brooklyn, in Park Slope, Brooklyn. I lived on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. I lived in the Lower East Village of Manhattan. I lived in Prospect Heights in Brooklyn. Like, I lived in a lot of, all the areas I lived in were, like, very liberal, progressive areas. And I'm not saying that their politics were all great. But what I am saying is that the people there are not evil, demonic monsters. They're not. Like, <laughs> really? A lot are you of sure? Them, like, a lot of them were just good people. Like a lot, a, a lot of them were just people that like, if you, you know, we could all go have a beer at a bar and be fine. Like, and so that that's just something to keep in mind. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about RFK's presidential run is that it's kind of like a measuring stick. It's kind of like, okay, he's sticking his, you know, pole into this water and he's going to tell you how deep it is and how, all right. And so uh, the polling, even him, um, imagine the fact that he's getting 20% without any corporate press reasonably fair coverage. You know, when they cover him, they're just telling you he's the worst person in the world. I think that tells you something. And it tells you at least that, like, you know, there there are a lot of people, even in that, even in the left half of America, who are somewhat sane still, you know? Look, most people don't give a shit about any of this stuff that we're talking about. That's the truth. Right. Most people don't care about any of this. Most people are just trying to, like, raise their family and live their life. And I I, I think particularly libertarians should not begrudge that at all. Our position is that that's all they should be doing, that none of this should exist, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's all that should matter. And so, though, you know... Those people, about 50% of the the eligible people vote in presidential elections, less than that in the non-presidential elections. The, the, the rest of them are like not even thinking about any of this stuff. And that's okay. They, they don't have to. I think it's better that they don't. I think it's a shame that more and more people are thinking about politics, to be honest. Right. Um, but that I think it is worth remembering that like, there's a whole lot of decent people at everywhere in all of these different areas. And so I, I, I love that he's actually kicking up dust. It's incredible. It's really incredible given the fact that like, he's not a big famous person. He comes from a famous family, but him, he himself is not like this, you know, he's just, he's just getting all this attention because he's running on the issues he's running on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've enjoyed every single interview I've uh, seen of him, including yours. And um, he did one with the uh, Jackman brothers in studio as well, which was uh, really, really good. Um, and another thing that kind of gave me hope for left-wingers, and I'm not saying like I'm putting all my eggs in this basket particularly, but um, the anti-war protest where um, I was hanging out with uh, Pasta Jardula, um, Clint, and Reed um, at a house that they had there. And uh, you know, we all just kind of sat down, had some drinks, and shot the shit and had a good time. Then we went to the rally next day. And yeah, there were some dumbasses waving like Russian flags and dudes wearing ski masks with communist flags. But like the vast majority of people were there because it was an anti-war march and there were people from the left the right the center whatever that all just agreed like hey this whole global empire stuff is ridiculous and we should just you know bring the troops home and 
end all. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Play to Ukraine and the war in Ukraine and no more bullshit towards like China or Taiwan. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's like no matter what movement you stand for, if you stand for anything, like the the standard that you have to um that you have to own the the looniest few people who are there is so yeah. ridiculous. And it's so funny that that would be like the thing they'd try to get that that rally against the war machine on. I don't know. It's it's really funny. It's really funny to see the same people who will go that like you know if you point out. That the Ukrainian say like uh, that the Maidan revolution or that the defensive war against Russia, you're like, oh, they have all these Nazi elements in them, mm -hmm. you know, and like real deal Nazi elements like the Sabata party mm -hmm. that used to be called the, the National Socialists and, you know, C-14 that's named after the 1488 or the Azov Battalion or like any of them. That if you mention that, they go, well, that's just a minority in that group, you know? <laughs> That's a, that's not the majority. So that how dare you try to paint the whole thing as Nazi? It's like okay, and fair enough. Like I don't think all of Ukraine is a Nazi country. I think it's a it's a loud minority in the country. Um, but then at the same time they'll go, well, look at your your protest had two Russian flags. So what now? You're that that has to describe all of you. Look if you um if you had a uh. If you have a, a protest or a movement that is saying we're against vaccine mandates, you're going to have some people there who say the vaccines are turning us into communists. You know, you're going to have a few of them. <laughs> if you have an anti-Fed uh, protest, you're going to have a few people there who are like the Jews are running the whole thing, you know. <laughs> If you have an anti-Iraq war protest, you're going to have a few people there who say, you know, Dick Cheney did 9-11 or whatever. Like, it's no matter what you have, you're always going to have a few kooks there. So that to judge any movement by their kooks is just not fair. And it's just silly. And, and, and the people who want to do that will never apply that to their own group. So fine, you know. But like whatever, whoever the people against that that anti-war rally are, let's okay, let's examine your kooks in your group, right? Like it's just it doesn't make any sense. But the truth is like what you were saying that it's like yeah, there's a lot of people, a lot of reasonable people, uh, left and right, who are are like okay, yeah, we get it. This makes no sense, and this is actually the most reckless, dangerous policy we we have right now. So that's all you got to do is kind of like drown out those people who are making these arguments that suck and focus on like the good people you meet yeah it's kind of similar with how people paint like the political parties where they'll say everybody in the libertarian party is josh eagle or you know these AFO <laughs> dudes <laughs> or, or you know every single republican is george bush every single democrat is joe biden like they literally just find the worst individuals of each group and say well that's the entire group just so that way they can kind of pat themselves on the back and say well I'm and, they, and, and weirdly yeah and weirdly like they they'll say that and don't apply the same standard to their own group like this is what drives me crazy 
you know, where people will go like, uh, the, you know, like there'll be one libertarian, like, well, I don't know, one of these fucking goofy libertarians who will be like, we should support Ukraine. And they're like, that's why I can't support the libertarians. And that's why I'm a Republican, you know, and you're like, Mitch McConnell wears a Ukraine lapel pin on his jacket every day. But you're telling me this one dude who I'm ratioing the shit out of, <laughs> who's fucking lost the entire thing. He is the reason you can't be with us? Like, oh, okay, fine. Look, I would completely understand. In fact, I would do it too. If I, let's say, if I had started this attempt to be a libertarian like commentator, and then I went, you know what? We're going to try to take over the libertarian party. And let's say I lost. Like, I just got destroyed. Let's just say the Josh Eagles and the Andy Craigs of the world, they just <laughs> fucked me up. They got a thousand times more support than I have. And they were like, no, this is what the word libertarian means. This is what the libertarian party means. It means sending U.S. taxpayer dollars to Ukraine to fight this proxy war of choice on Russia's borders. That's what we mean. And then someone went to me and they went, hey, look, dude, I just can't call myself a libertarian anymore because of this. I'd go, I'm not calling myself a libertarian anymore. <laughs> like, yes. And now I'd still believe in the same principles. I'd still believe in self-ownership and private property rights and the non-aggression principle. But I'd go, we got to come up with a different name. You know, like we got to come up with something else because we have to separate ourselves from that because that's the opposite of what we're trying to stand for. But the fact is we won all of these battles, you know? So why do we keep having why, – why do we keep – like why do we need to recede linguistic territory more and more when it's like, no, no, no. We actually stood up for this this term, this word, and we won it. So screw that, you know? And then it's just so bizarre to me that those same people will go, well, I, that's why I consider myself a conservative. And you're like, a conservative? Like Dick Cheney? Like really, like Mitt Romney, but okay, it's just just one standard will do just fine. You know what I mean? Like don't just don't give me this double standard thing. What like okay, just give give us the same standard you have, and then I'm fine with that. Yeah. So one person that uh, um I know you had on your show, and I kind of like him, but uh I I, I don't know where I kind of like start and stop with him, but uh, Oren McIntyre, he was mm -hmm. saying, uh, libertarians, you have to give up your word. And you had a really, really good response to this. I never thought of this, but you said we could say the same thing about the word woman. <laughs> yeah. Or Christian, right. you know, or like anything mm. like I, I, well, look, I mean, and, and what I was trying to say to him too, is that there are words that I like, even my example of like, if they all won and we lost, I think there are words we should give up on. I think we should give up on liberal. Mm -hmm. You know, like <laughs> that's that word has been taken. All right, fine. There is a certain point in war where you just have to retreat and go, all right, they got us. They got us on that. Mm -hmm. Um, but at, at a certain point, should we give up the word woman? Should we give up the word Christian? Should we give up the word? You know, like, no, I think there are some words that are worth fighting over. And look, this is, uh, to me, this is almost the essence of the Mises Caucus project. And I think this is way more important than anything that the Libertarian Party even accomplishes. Like, I think it's way more important than even however many, you know, people we get elected, however many members we have or votes we get or money we raise or anything like that. I think it's like if we care about these ideas, because what we're really talking about here is ideas. And, and if we care about these ideas, then we have to have our corner, our group, 
that we go, no, look, this is what we mean by this. Because this is the tactic of the left, is that they keep attacking the linguistic territory. And then you're like, well, no, I didn't mean that by that. What I meant was this. And what I meant, and, and it's like, at a certain point, you're like, okay, well, fine. Whatever the fuck you want to call it, we need a word that means the people who care about self-ownership and the non-aggression principle and private property rights. And I think that word is libertarian. And why the fuck shouldn't it be? You know, that's that's Murray Rothbard's word and Ron Paul's word. And like, that's our whole movement. And if our movement is like so much bigger and more dominant than the movement that opposes us, why the fuck should we give up that word? You know, like, no. And and oh, what we should call it something else that still means the exact same thing. Why? Because some dude with no following is trolling us on Twitter and then I'm just dunking on that dude all day long and everyone's agreeing with me, then no, I'm not giving that up. Now, again, the, uh, it, it's it's arbitrary or it's subjective to some point. Right. If everyone was agreeing with him and no one was with me, I'd go, all right, we got to pick a new word. But no, <laughs> fuck that. They got to pick a new word because I got a way bigger like following on my side than they do. So that's that's where I'm I'm at with it. And I and and I like Oren. I think he he makes a lot of good points, but I think he's wrong about that. You know? I think it's like no, there there are a, is a certain point just like with the word woman. You know, you see kind of like right-wingers finally snapping into defending that. And no, that's good <laughs> that they're defending that. Right. They should. They shouldn't give that up. They should they should they shouldn't just go, "Well, hey, you know what? These trans women are saying they're women, so I guess we'll have to pick a different word." for women <laughs> no fuck that yeah no i agree completely and um kind of to your point there um you being kind of the i, I don't want to necessarily call you the hnic of the word libertarian but um at the same time you are kind of a leader in this movement and you know i think you represent more of a socially conservative person i don't want to like box you in there because you know the stigma that may come with that. But I think people like yourself and myself, because I just got married back in November and I've been with the same woman for, you know, five years now, bought a house when I was 22. I think people like us are overtaking that word more than the people that, like you said, you were kind of dunking on. And I, I think that's who we need to kind of keep putting forth. And these people who are good people outside of just the fact that they're libertarians need to continue to put themselves forward as part of this movement to show that like, hey, we're not a bunch of just degenerates who say we want freedom so that way we can go be degenerates. Well, yeah, it's so funny to me in a way because like even just like, I don't know, dude, like I don't know you that well, Kyle, but you know, I see your fucking sleeve tattoo or whatever and like it's just like that, yeah, you're such a conservative, you know, <laughs> like it's like <laughs> this fight, like I'm, I am really, I, I saw someone on a, <coughs> on Twitter the other day was like, uh, he goes, Dave, stop pretending to be a libertarian and just admit that you're a trad con. You know, like I'm a traditional conservative. And I swear, my first instinct was I was like, yes, you're right. I'm a traditional conservative. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go broker a bet between my two best friends over who gets to stick a gun in the other one's ass. And I know like this is a really conservative position that I have here, but I know it's it's so traditional. And it's like, it, this makes no sense to me. Like, I, I don't know. Yes, we're we're living in a brand new world. And so if you think what I am is a traditional conservative, like, okay, I mean, what I am is not insane. <laughs> like what I, what I am is somebody who is like, I'm 40 and I'm married and have a couple kids. And I think that like, um, 
it we're better off living in a society where people like value marriage and family and being a good person and being responsible. If that makes me a conservative, fine. Again, this is all just like linguistic semantics. Fine. We could call it that whatever you want to. But there is this kind of like, there, there, there is um this woke, progressive libertarian, as they'll call it, streak that really needs to be defeated and I think has been for the most part. If we're ever to have any impact on like our... Society, and so that's like whatever you want to call it. Yes, I what what I would call it. Not it, it wouldn't be conservative or traditionalist. I would call it serious people. I would say we need more serious people. And so, like that's like the idea that like anyone who is like, um, hey, I have a nose ring and an OnlyFans and this and that, and here's what I think. I just go, yeah, yes, serious people will never listen to you. What's up, everybody? Um, we're going to take a quick break and tell you about the show's sponsors. Um, we are brought to you by Element T Electrolytes. I've been using this stuff for years, and what I've honestly found is that if I didn't have electrolytes before some kind of cardio, and sometimes even before workouts, that my workout performance, or definitely cardio performance, would suffer greatly. Um, Sodium is responsible for every single movement, pretty much, in your entire body. And let's say you drink a lot of caffeine, <laughs> like I like to do, then um, maybe it is a good idea, like I do every single morning, um, put some LMNT chocolate electrolytes um, there in your coffee to get a little bit more sodium, potassium, and uh, magnesium in your coffee so that way whatever diuretic effect you get from the caffeine is pretty much diluted by the fact that you put chocolate salt in it. Um, also, it tastes really, really good. Get some uh, chocolate creamer, hazelnut creamer, or even coconut. And uh, mix that all up. It tastes really, really good. So, uh, yeah, make sure you drop by, go to drinklmnt.com slash inliberty and health and uh, pick you up some electrolytes today. All right, guys. Thanks. That's that's how I think of it, is that the, the distinction isn't between liberal and, and conservative. The distinction is between, like, a serious adult human and an unserious child. That's That's how I see the distinction. And there's... A lot of this in the the kind of, um, you know, like in, I, I think that within our libertarian camp, I, I don't think there's a problem with this. I think that there's a problem with this within the um, anti kind of Mises caucus and just anti, I don't know, I, I guess there's a little bit of this in the Beltway libertarian world, in the anti Mises caucus libertarian world, in the woke libertarian world. But this is a very small world. Right. Um, in, in their camp, there's a real problem with that within like what I've always been a part of, which is like the Mises Institute, the Ron Paul revolution, the Mises caucus in that world. I think there's no problem with this. I think the overwhelming majority of people like 95% or more get this. And then I even think within the, uh, like the post libertarian camp. It's almost like they try to dunk on that other little camp, but mm -hmm. that's that's not really what the truth is about any of us. Right. They're, they're, those guys just don't even like think through what the implications of libertarianism really are. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Like it's it's like they they'll kind of go like um, it's like okay, so I'm a libertarian because I believe in these principles. Mm -hmm. 
I believe in free market capitalism. I believe in self-ownership. I believe in private property rights. I believe in the non-aggression principle. It's like, okay, that's what I believe. So that's, I think, I, I think all of that is correct. If anyone has a great argument against any of that, I'm open to listening to it, but I think that's what's correct. But then there'll be like other, these crazy libertarian or who call themselves libertarians mm -hmm. who will say like uh, things like, they'll go, okay, so, um, so we're all individuals. And so if some individual chooses a different lifestyle than you, who cares? That's their choice. What effect does that have on you? And you're like, wait, oh, okay. Look, I'm a libertarian, so I believe that it would be wrong for me to violently oppress my neighbor because he has a different view than me, right? Like, I think that would be wrong. I think it would be wrong for me to initiate violence against one of my neighbors because I don't like his the decisions that he's making. But that is such a different thing than saying, whatever decisions my neighbors make have no effect on me. Like, that's just stupid. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's just stupid. Of course. And I don't know. Do you have kids, Kyle? Uh, not yet. Not, okay. So, but for people out there who have kids, it, it becomes even more clear that it's like, no, dude, the, the truth is that all of that has an effect on you. You know, you realize like all the way other kids in your community are being raised has a huge effect on how your kids are going to interact with them. And so the the point isn't that it has no effect on me. And the point isn't that I should have no opinion on it. The, the, what libertarians say is that I can't violently impose my will on that person. Not that I can't have an opinion on it. So that's just like, and then what you'll see with a lot of like the post libertarians or the kind of like, um, like, uh, like, uh, NRX, you know, people who, when they're criticizing libertarians is they'll be like, well, the libertarian position is, and then they'll describe what those idiots position is right. that, oh, you can't have any opinion on what anyone does. Cause you're a libertarian. It's like, no, I can have the harshest fucking opinion and I could actually like even do things to affect you know what I mean? Like they're like the, what they're doing. I, all it says is I can't fucking bash them over the head with a brick. You know, like what, what libertarianism says is that I have to like find other means other than like violent aggression to affect them. But it's insane to think that there's no, Hey, Hey, if that guy over there, like, you know, I personally don't want to like, you know, whatever. I personally think you should hug and love your kids, but if my neighbor doesn't want to, that's completely fine. And I have no opinion on that. That's not libertarianism. You know, yeah. that, that's not what we're about. Like, in fact, as much as we're about that, we're even more so about like confronting your neighbor and being like, what the fuck are you doing, man? You're, you're fucking up raising your kids and now you're screwing things up for my kids. That both of those scenarios are equally libertarian. And so that's kind of almost like the thing that, I've found is like my, like, this is my calling in this whole world is to be like, I'm divorcing libertarianism from this goofy libertine nonsense that so many people are trying to push on it. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, do you still have time or uh, do we got to? Yeah, let's keep going, man. Okay, cool, cool. Um, yeah, I posted this story once and I knew it was going to piss off all the libertarians. There was a story um, about 45 minutes away from me. There was somebody gutting a deer in front of a, I think it was like a elementary school or something like that in their front yard. And everybody lost their minds about this because I said like, you know, 
this like you shouldn't be doing this like there's a certain yeah. standard that you should uphold like i get it if your kid was raised around hunting and shit but like other people's kids may not want to see i don't know like a deer corpse being gutted in front of the school <laughs> like right. just because i'm a libertarian doesn't mean i can't say like don't fucking do that what the fuck's wrong with you yeah it's uh, so weird man that's so weird that that would even like kind of raise a controversy <laughs> but it's like the idea and you know there, there's a lot of those libertarians who will who will say like who will give you problems with that and i've found this recently because i've been going you know i've been the last few days like uh i don't know if you've been following me on on my twitter shit but i've been going off on the like trans insanity shit and you're reactionary now yeah yeah people are giving me <laughs> shit about it but it's like dude what the fuck man like eventually there's just like a point where you're like what what are we talking about here guys like this is not this is not what I'm talking about. So you're saying because I believe in free markets <laughs> that I can't have an opinion about like this perverse disgusting sexualized uh, ideology being pushed on children? What? That doesn't make any sense. And so like it's it's so bizarre when you realize these people and a lot of these people will uh They'll insist that you're pushing cultural issues that are outside of libertarianism. But if you really scratch the surface, they're also pushing cultural issues that are outside of libertarianism. And then you realize like, yeah, we all are, you know, what makes you a libertarian is believing in freedom, but don't act like any of you guys aren't also just as guilty as, as we are. Cause at the same time, even like, even with that, right. If someone's like carving up a deer and you're like, dude, you're doing this in front of all these kids. And then someone else is like, well, you should have no problem with that. You're like, okay, that's just as much of an added opinion as what you added, you know? <laughs> and like, so like if, if I'm a libertarian, let's say I'm a libertarian as I am, and let's say I'm not initiating violence against anybody. I'm just literally exerting my influence on like my Twitter or my podcast or in my life. And I say, hey, I think this is crazy. And I don't think you can change your gender. And I don't think any of this is real. And I definitely don't think you should be pushing it on children. And then someone else goes, um, gender is different than sex. And you're a bigot if you don't accept, you know, somebody for what they identify as. It's like, okay, we're equally libertarian. Like, if we're both not forcing it on anyone, it's now we're just, we're on different sides of this culture war. But okay, but don't act like I'm picking a side in the culture war and you're not. You're just picking a different side and your side fucking sucks, you know? Like, so like, let's, let's talk about this. Fine, let's argue it. But like, that's not, it's it's people tend to think that whatever their like um their preconceptions are are the norm mm -hmm. and then any, anyone who deviates from that is you know like like picking some type of culture war but right. that's not what's going on here and that's it's and then the deeper i think you get into it you realize that not only is it not true that libertarians should just be like these autistic, uh, you know, autonomons who like don't have no feeling about any of these things. But I actually think we're the ones who it's most important that we have something to say about culture. I'm not saying we should enforce it on anybody, right. but I think we should like have something to say about it. 
Yeah, no, I agree completely. And, and it is kind of funny how people instantly put you in like one camp or another. Um, you know, oh, you're reactionary. You're, you know, just come out and endorse DeSantis already or something like that. Like it's people get so goofy about this stuff. Um, one person that I know that you and I both have a mutual respect for is a Stefan Molyneux. And like, obviously, mm -hmm. I don't think we agree with him on everything. But the one thing he always got right was like, if we can't protect the children, then what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I don't even know what uh, Stefan Molyneux has been up to lately. Um, I've, I've like, I don't even remember the last time I talked to him. Uh, but I, I did his show a bunch, like around 2016, 2017, around those years. And I, I was a fan of his for the years before that. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how much he got demonized, um, for things that I think were, um, were partially his fault and were in large part not his fault like that his you know the ideas he was pushing got like completely uh straw manned yeah um but yeah like that to me that was the stuff he was talking about with kids was way more important than anything else and that 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 still to me is the most important thing is like how we want to treat kids that's why man like that's what's really pushed me you know i mean if people listen to me and and have listened to me for a long time i i completely recognize the um the culture war for being the distraction that it is i've been talking about this for a long time and i know that there's very powerful interests who want us to talk about this rather than talking about you know corporatism the federal reserve government corruption all these things I think that's, you know, I, I, I know that that's the aim of a lot of powerful people. But at the same time, there's something where, like, once that distraction becomes about targeting children, right. that you're like, oh, no, this is no longer a distraction. Right. Now this is something that needs to be dealt with. And so that's been my like main, main thing with all, all this, like, stuff with Target and all this other stuff. It's like, yeah, man, just like, Leave kids alone. If we can't all agree on that, if we we can't all agree that four and five year olds shouldn't have to like inherit our political insanity, right. like come on, man. And and it's not just political insanity. It's not just like, you know, look, I think the war in Iraq was the worst thing in the world. And if there was some like pro, you know, neocon type who wanted to give like an American flag to you know put on a shirt of a five-year-old and in their mind that kind of supported the war in iraq because like look at my boy he's got an american flag on all right <laughs> i may not love that but all right but to start introducing to four and five-year-olds the idea that they're not a boy or a girl they could be this other thing and there could be this uh, you're like this is so like intentionally confusing and manipulative and it's just it's opening the door for all types of creepy shit to happen to them like that. That I have a real problem with. And again, like I said, with those goofy libertarians who will be like, hey, we're all individuals, you know, if you don't want your kid having that, then like you can make the choice not to have that. And it's like, yes, we're all individuals. And guess what? When all of those individuals get together, that's called a group. <laughs> it's a group of individuals. And you know what? My kids are going to grow up existing in a group. 
not just as individuals. And so I would like them to not be around other kids who have like been learning this toxic shit. So, all right. So I'm going to oppose it as an individual. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember the first kind of camel's nose under the tent moment for me for the specific issue. Um, my dad had told me about my younger brother who um, my dad has a, uh, he, he split up with um my mom and then he went on to have two other kids but um the one other kid my younger brother david i want to say he was in seventh grade at the time and i remember my dad bitching about the trans stuff he's like oh well they're starting to teach my kid and tell him about trans stuff and saying that they have to accept pronouns or something like that i may be butchering it a little bit but i remember thinking like oh that's that's ridiculous that's probably like a minority thing and this was probably at most maybe 10 years ago and i dusted it off and then now like all this time later i'm like holy fuck (laughs) yeah kind of was right yeah well it is it is pretty insane like how much they're trying to push this shit on kids and it's 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 interesting that yeah like i probably 10 years ago i probably would have had the same attitude and been like come on man like this is not really happening but you know right at a certain point, you have to deal with reality and not with what you thought sounded good. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, so I recall you mentioning that uh, I think as most guys kind of go through a little bit of a degenerate phase, if you will, in their 20s. And I don't want to obviously dig into the personal details. But was there any kind of like moments for you that kind of pulled the wool off your eyes to realize that there perhaps is more to life than that? Because when I was in that experience... I recall having like really, really highs and really, 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 really high highs and really, really low lows where like when I got to take somebody home or, you know, was out drinking and partying, life was good. But then when you're by yourself at night, it's kind of like, this sucks. Like I'm, I don't feel good about myself. And then when I finally met my wife five years ago, um, I recall feeling a lot better. And also, you know, her situation with like a uh, autoimmune disease, essentially where she can't have gluten that kind of encouraged me to get my health in order. And like all that stuff kind of put me in a much better way to the point now where I'm like, Holy fuck, I've like made it. Did you ever have kind of like a moment that kind of told you like, this is Hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's an interesting question. So I, I mean, I was, uh, I was kind of living that life for a long time and yeah, a, a similar type thing, like very high highs, very low lows. Um, I think I had been doing it for a while and it was, uh, I think for most, okay. So for, for people, if they've been living that life for a while, it's kind of like in the same way that like, you know, like, look, if the, if the life is like, you know, getting fucked up and getting laid and d- doing things, being a comedian, going out on the road and get, you know, kind of like doing shows and then seeing who you could like get to come sleep with you that night. It's like the, if there's highs and lows, as time went on, it's like the highs weren't as high and the lows were much lower, if that makes sense. So yes. it's like it, that was kind of like how things were trending. And um, when I met my wife, and we first started dating there was just something there was something about her that was like i was so aware from the very beginning that i was like this is different than anything i've had mm-hmm. and i just loved everything i mean i loved like i loved hanging out with her more than i had ever loved hanging out with another chick i just felt like this overwhelming like attraction to her and not just physically i mean that was a big part of it i'm trying to 
downplay that. But there was it was also just like, but yeah, no, I mean, that was huge. (laughs) Um, But there was also just like a thing where I just loved being with her. And I also knew she was just way better. Like she was just better than the chicks I had been with before her. She had a better family. She was just a better person. She was just like every, everything about her. She was smarter. You know what I mean? Like there was just all of these things. And um, there was a, a, a time when I guess there was like, I don't know, maybe a, maybe it was like two months into when me and my wife had been uh, like, we had first met and been on a few dates and like uh, she was like uh she ended things no she didn't end things you know but she like she uh called me because i guess i hadn't like committed to her yet at that point <laughs> and she was like hey listen like if this isn't something you're gonna like commit to then i think you know we should just go our separate ways and she did it in a totally cool way like she was like look i really like i i really like think you're great and everything but i think we just need to go our separate way our separate ways you know something like that mm-hmm. and i went hey meet me at this place tonight <laughs> like we got to talk <laughs> and she went okay and i yeah. met her there and it really was a thing in my mind where i was like look i've been all around the block and i know that i'm not finding anything better <laughs> than what i have with you and i met her there and i was like look we're not breaking up i insist I'm like that's just <laughs> not happening and she was like okay fine but if you don't want to break up then we have to like be serious and take that and i was like we're serious <laughs> like that and that was basically like from there it, like it was on from there it was just like i i just knew from being through the experiences i i'd been through i was like there is no chance i'm finding someone better than this chick this chick is the chick i want to be with and so like that and then from there it was just like it just kind of grew and grew and grew and so that was like, that was kind of my moment. And it was like, I I understood from my previous experiences that the, I, I knew because I had been around the block so much how special she was. Yeah. And I still, still to this day, at the risk of sounding corny, I still like earlier today, I was thinking about how special she is. Like that I knew <laughs> I got this great chick and I really am uh, like, I, I, I'm grateful to God because things really worked out for me, man. Like I got this chick is the best chick. And so <laughs> that's like, yeah, to, to me, it's like when you find that person, that's when you go all in. And I knew that. I knew that at that point that I was like, no, I'm going to go all in on this chick. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. Okay. Yeah. I, I definitely resemble that in a lot of ways because I... Once again, in our you know younger days, and obviously you're a little bit older than me, but like, you know, I don't think it's necessarily bad. I don't think that's that obvious, but okay, whatever. <laughs> go ahead. Sure. Well, if I take my hat sure. off, it might, I, be I might little, be, it might be a little I might, less I might be older, but it doesn't have to be like obvious that I'm older, but okay, whatever. Yeah, um, I don't think dating non-exclusively, and this doesn't mean like you should purposely go out and fuck everything that walks, but to like go around and like enjoy being with other people and being a sociable person i think that's a good thing for guys in particular just so that way you can kind of get your toes wet and understand what you like what you don't like and then obviously when you find that person that you feel very very connected to and very very committed to then that's time hey fuck the rest of these people i'm being exclusive with you and that's really how i felt with my wife because it was the same deal where i was like okay eh, a lot of these girls are kind of crazy but like you know things are exciting at times and then one of the things that really made me realize that i wanted to be married to my wife was 
um, when we first got together, I recall her having anger issues, which I've talked about a little bit, but not nothing like she punched me in the face or anything like that, but like just a little bit of a fiery temper. And then I remember like over the course of like a couple months, I just saw it getting better and better and better. And like still to this day, just continues to get better. I'm like, this is somebody that understands their own flaws and understands where they need to improve. Yeah. And that's somebody I can live with the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think, um, like for me and my wife, I think that there's no question that she, she made me a much better person than I was. And I think I also made her a much better person than she was. And I think that's kind of part of it. It's like, no, no one's going to come particularly in today's, you know, in our crazy world, yeah. none of us are coming into it like perfect. And that's one of the things that I think is like, you know, there's that whole like manosphere uh podcast like realm that's, that's one of the things i think they get really wrong mm -hmm. is um and i understand it but like look if you're gonna have a round table of like like fucking miami chicks my, only yeah fans models. My, miami club <laughs> whores <laughs> like white claw power like, hour yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna sit around a table of only fans miami club whores then sure <laughs> like there's <laughs> gonna be certain arguments that you're gonna win the argument i guess but yeah. it's not like look dude you don't need to fucking be a 35 year old fucking a virgin 18 year old like that's mm -hmm. just like i mean fine if you are fine but like i'm not you know like let's let's be realistic about what might actually happen for more of your listeners, you know? Mm. And so like what you want to find is actually someone who's like, okay, they're going to have their flaws. Nobody was perfect. You have your flaws and also like can they are they a great like will they be a great mother? Do they come from a great family? Do they have a fucking, you know, like uh can can you make them better and kind of lead them? Can they kind of help civilize you? That's really the essence of it, man. Is that like, like women civilize men and men lead women. That's kind of the essence of like how it's supposed to go. And that being said, uh, there is some truth to like all that shit, like body count mattering and shit like yeah. that. I'm not like discaming that, like, you know, I'm not like saying like, if all the shit happened, you know, the way it did. And my wife was like, well, I've had sex with 50 guys. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> goodbye. You know, like, <laughs> like, all right. Like it does, that does matter, but that, it, that only matters because it's an indication about other things. You know what I mean? And so that's, uh, that's what I think. And I, um, I, I know that like, I, I was really lucky and I don't even mean to discount them. Cause the truth is that I did find a lot of the things that those podcasts will say is what I found. Like my wife is younger than me. She was very <laughs> pure when I met her. She wasn't like somebody who had had like a, a high body count. She wasn't like, you know, so like, I'm not like trying to like diss what they're saying, but it also, it doesn't have to be as simple as that. Yeah. There's a lot more to it. And so really what it matters is like who you can build a good life with. And there's lots of great chicks out there. My biggest beef with all those podcasts is that I think they almost like encourage men, um, that there's not, you know what I mean? That's like, yeah. look, this is what chicks are. They're all these Miami club only fans hoes. And you're like, no, that's not actually true. Most chicks aren't like that. And you can find a great chick if you want to, you just got to like, you got to get yourself together. You got to, you got to make yourself the person who that chick would want. And then if you do that, there's going to be lots of options.
yeah, usually what I tell people when it comes to those is like, you got to kind of take the good and leave the bad. So like improving yeah. yourself, improving your situation is always a good thing. But like this whole clowning women for clowning women's sake has yeah, always seemed kind right. of like, the, you know, let's give all these 304s white claws and see how stupid they get so we can tell them to put their shoes on outside and call an Uber. Like, I don't know. That yeah, shit. look, half, if you listen to the libertarian debates that I've done with like the real loser brigade types where I like fucked up like Archie Flower and Andy Craig and them. I feel horrible about myself at the end of it because when I look back on it, I go, I was just clowning women. And that's not something <laughs> men, that's not something men should do. You know, right. like that's not it's not right. I shouldn't men shouldn't do that. And so, like, for you to make your entire career clowning women, it's like, come on, dude, debate a man, you know, <laughs> then see what happens. Yeah, no, dude, I completely agree. And like I said, take the good, leave the bad. But um, I understand the demand for it because it is tough to compete. But at the same time, it's like, look at your competition. When 88% of the U.S. population isn't considered metabolically well, that means like the bar for you to be better than the average dude is like this high, right? You just have to do, yeah. just work out yeah. like twice a week. And you'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a great way to look at it, you mm -hmm. know? And then it's like, okay, so that, and, and that's only one dimension, right? So like work out a little bit, like don't be fucking sloppy, like physically, like get into, into shape, do something impressive in your life. And that doesn't mean like do something impressive doesn't mean like you have to be like something huge or famous or anything like that. I'm saying like, whatever, what what's your job? What do you do? Be good at that. Be really good at it. You know what I mean? What What do you do with like it when you're around little kids? Be really interested in what they're doing. Like really take part in that. Really care about something. Whatever issue it is, really care about that. Look, man, there's so many different things that whatever you're into, just try to be somewhat impressive in that department. You know? Like if you're like, hey, I, I really love gardening. And let me show you, I have this nice garden. Like, okay, that's impressive. Like, I don't know if that that's an impressive thing to be good at. If you're really good at cooking and you can really cook, that's impressive. Just like, a, 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 like, try, you know, to be something at whatever it is that matters to you. And that's, I think, the most important thing in life is that you're like trying to do something. You're trying to ascend to something that's a little bit of a higher level than where you are right now. You know, that's how, that's how fucking greatness is made is that you, you go a little bit above where you are right now. That's all. And then above that and above that and above that, but start with the first step a little bit above where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. All right. Well, I got a couple last questions for you and then we'll uh, wrap her up if you don't got anything else. Sounds good. Cool. Um, what does Liberty look like to you? Well, I mean, Pure liberty is probably a long way off, but what more liberty looks like to me is like more liberty looks like more people being able to make their own decisions for themselves and for their family and less of it being like kind of top down given to them by whatever the institution might be, whether it's like universities or corporations or governments or anything like that. And so to me, more liberty, like, I think that statism undermines the best things about humanity. So I think that 
whether it's um it look i mean you can look at like all the kind of like powerful institutions whether they're the government directly or whether they're the kind of um entities that are supported by the government like college campuses or something like that which may may not directly be the government but are basically a government program or anything like that i think they're always undermining like the family and the community and the church and all of this stuff so i think to me liberty looks more like um people being dependent on each other people forming natural hierarchies um people forming natural roles and people existing in a more harmonious way so the more liberty we have to me would look like um people voluntarily harmoniously forming more hierarchical natural roles and usually that means like mother and father and families and communities and churches and all of the things that have been organically naturally happening for thousands of years and i think we'd be right back to that very quickly beautiful what does health look like to you uh health looks like um i think <laughs> i think health looks like it well first off people getting good information <laughs> that isn't like completely corrupted by so many of these like kind of in like the medical industrial complex mm -hmm. and things like that i mean look health so so i was on this uh clip which was um probably the most controversial clip i've ever been a part of um not the most viral clip but all all the biggest ones were always with rogan but i was on this one clip with joe rogan and this was back in 2021 i believe um and it wasn't really about me it was all just what he was saying but it went all the way up to joe biden actually said something about it and yeah. fauci said something about it and tucker covered it and all of them covered it because it was the clip when joe rogan was saying that he wouldn't recommend the uh, young people to get the COVID vax, and he would just recommend them to be as healthy as possible. And he and and I said something about how I'd never give it to my kids, but no one really cared what I said. It was all about what he said. Um, but he he said he goes, look, if you're young, like if you're twenty years twenty years old, I would just say like you know eat really well and exercise and get a lot of sunlight and lift weights and like all that, that, that was his whole message. And, um, then the, uh, you know, Fauci and Biden and CNN and all these people tore him apart. But to me, I go like, th this is how I'd connect health to the market, right? In the market, he's the most popular show in the world. <laughs> like, and then the state comes in and is telling you he's not right. He's not good. So to me, what health looks like is that people who have a message like that are really resonating with young people. And they're saying like, Hey, like, this is what you should do. You, what you should do is eat really healthy and, and exercise and work out and get sunlight and all of the things that like that, what, what we best know, actually what we best know is that this is the best way to live your life. And so, I mean, that's a broad answer, but that's to me, that's what health would look like would be people being influenced by a message like that. Hmm. It's actually one of the most interesting answers I've ever gotten out of a guest for that one. Yeah, I, I really, really like that. Um, Dave, where, where can everybody find you? Oh, well, you know, uh, comicdavesmith.com is my uh, my website, uh, at comicdavesmith on Twitter, at the problem Dave Smith on Instagram, and uh, part of the problem is my podcast. 
And uh, thank you so much for having me on, Kyle. I really appreciate it. No, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm very, very grateful you were uh, so generous with your time. So yeah, man, if you don't get anything else, we'll close her out and I'll see you on the other side. Hell yeah, dude. Awesome. Thanks everybody for listening. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.